it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. I don't know if it feels like this debt deal is falling apart quickly. You've got some odd bedfellows here. You've got Thomas Massey and Marjorie Taylor Greene who are supporting it versus the rest of the Freedom Caucus. Now, we're going to have Brian Mast and Ralph Norman on the program a little bit later. And tonight on, on Salem News, my first guest is Harriet Hageman. All three are Freedom Caucus members. Now, you got Massey out there saying this is the first time in his life as a congressman, which has been about 10 years, that there's going to be an actual cut to spending. You got Chip Roy who says this is $4 trillion in borrowing. Now, I do see some complaints that are right, that some of these work requirements have so many exceptions that they might not apply to as many people as we thought they would. That's a problem. Now, as the Senate goes forward with whatever they're going to pass, it might have to come back to the House and have more conservative or more appealing provisions for the Freedom Caucus, because now they're saying, if you pass this with a majority created out of Democrats, we're going to vacate the speaker, which means there'll be a new speakership election. Now, who's going to be the next in line for Speaker of the House? I don't know. You've got a five-vote five majority here, which Kevin McCarthy was eked across the line. If it's somebody from the Freedom Caucus, which I wouldn't be opposed to, Never would have been in the beginning. But if Matt Gates says, I want to be Speaker of the House, I doubt he's going to get 218. Man, you thought you thought going in the summer was going to be easy, right? Ah, we'll have this uh, easy summer. We won't be talking about the hardcore issues. Oh, no. It's the hardcore summer. And again, I find myself floating out to Never Biden Island evermore. Because if you think infighting between, if there's going to be a never DeSantis and a never Trump that gets as bogged down and, and stalemated as never Trump, never Cruz, we're looking at another four years of Joe Biden. And that is one complaint I do have about, about this debt limit deal. And that is the talk of five, six, or seven years down the road, it cuts this, it cuts that. Both parties do this. Well, yeah, this is going to cut a trillion dollars over the next 10 years. Really? Because you don't think Congress is going to change hands over 10 years? You don't think the White House is going to change hands over 10 years? When they tell us that, when they tell us that, it doesn't really mean anything. All that matters right now is the budget coming up next year. And when you hear that it's a 1% cap on the growth in spending, that still means more in spending. Now, I understand both sides here. You've got one side that says, look, this is about the best we're going to get with divided government. The other side says, now is the time to fight. But we're not talking about a standard budget with a standard government shutdown. We're talking about a default on the debt. Now, is that as scary as everybody thinks it is? I don't know. I don't know. What it should be proof of, when you hear Catherine Clark or AOC or any of these Democrats talking about the most vulnerable people and or choosing between starving children and homeless seniors, that should tell you that too much, too much is tied into the federal budget, none of which is called for in the Constitution. I'll make this easy. All right. Uh, of course, when you uh, 
run in the hot, hot sun and you're pouring sweat a hot cup of coffee is what uh, somebody should bring you. Thank you, <laughs> Mike, for the boiling cup of coffee. Well, who am I kidding? I would have got coffee anyway. All of these programs, temporary assistance for needy families, food stamps, SNAP, WIC, school, all of this stuff. I want somebody to tell me where it resides in the Constitution. Because what the Democrats are telling us is that there could never be a cap on spending. That spending should only ever grow. And taxpayers should just always pay more. Now, the only way to accomplish that, and this is why I hate democracy, and I'll be on record. If somebody says, Andrew, do you hate democracy? I'll say, yes, according to the way Democrats want to practice it, I hate democracy. The idea that you, the only way to continue, the only way to continue the endless growth in spending with a promise that existing or a shrinking number of taxpayers will always foot the bill, which apparently that hasn't worked out or he wouldn't be at thir- approaching $33 trillion in debt. The only way to promote this is to shrink the tax base to where the taxpaying base constitutes a numeric minority that will never grow into a numeric majority. So that means raising the threshold for taxation, even if you have economic growth, which you're not going to have. If let's say you got 20 million illegals and 20 and 15 million of them got jobs, you wouldn't want to turn them into taxpayers because then they're going to have to be part of footing this bill. Nobody likes paying taxes. But if you have a 60-40, then you could raise rates to whatever you want. That would guarantee the collapse of the nation. Absolutely guarantee the collapse of the nation. You cannot have 40% of the population supporting 60% of the population. But the promise, and we're in the tightler cycle right now, the promise from the Democrat left is give us your vote and we will deliver unto you gifts. If the welfare state was gutted right now, if the Supreme Court said, look, none of this is in the Constitution, all of these bills have to be struck down that provide for these these domestic giveaway programs, that'd be the end of the Democratic Party. The Democrat Party could not survive without wealth redistribution. If there was no such thing as borrowing, printing, and redistributing, taxing, borrowing, printing, and redistributing, the Democrat Party wouldn't exist. Now, if you're going to ask me, does this bill address that? Not really. But again, this is a debt ceiling lift. This is not the budget. As a matter of fact, to be honest, and that includes the two most effective Republican presidents in the modern era, Reagan and Trump, neither one of them were able to get a dismantling of the Democrat agenda, not even a small piece of it, really. Trump was more successful with his two-for-one regulation. But look how that snapped back, (laughs) you know? And I know McCarthy is proud of that provision. It's not a bad provision, but how long is it going to last? Republicans are not committed to the destruction of the Democrat agenda the way the Democrats are committed to the destruction of the Republic. The Democrats want a straight-up socialist, borderless democracy. They are an open-bores, internationalist, socialist party. They no longer care about citizenship. 
the nation, its history, its heritage, its foundation. They pay lip service to it because they have to on certain occasions like Memorial Day or Independence Day. But really, they know if they were to get their way at the border and get their way on the budget, they could collapse the nation. But they aren't going to be able to rebuild it into the utopia they think it's going to be. See, I could sit here all day with my cup of coffee and ask a Democrat where something that they believe is in the Constitution. And they can never tell me. They yell at me. They tell me I'm this, I'm that, I'm guilty of this ism, that ism. I'm in the cult of Donald Trump. I, like many, tweeted out this morning, I do not like this uh, milk toast uh, attack on Kaylee McEnany. And now apparently I'm a never Trumper. Apparently I'm a never Trumper. Oh, yes, uh, according to some people with you know fake names and, and avatars and what have you, I'm a never Trumper. Now I'm a never Trumper. All of a sudden, I'm a never-Trumper. But when I ask ask Democrats to participate in a civil discussion, based on fact, I get yelling, I get screaming, I get fist-eating, I get ankle-biting, I get window-licking. So so you want want to starve children? No, I I don't want to starve children. The idea that I don't see a school lunch program or the food stamp program or any of these programs at the federal level The idea, if you don't want to give something to someone, it's like you want to take it from them. That's not the case. Because then that would mean that every homeless person I walk by in New York City, that I'm the one starving them because I'm not giving them whatever it is that they need by not stopping and providing every single homeless person. And I just, you know, like a NFL running back just had to weave in and out of them to get here. By not stopping to feed them, to clothe them, to hydrate them, to provide them health care, it's like I'm taking from them a home and food and water and medicine. That is not the case. The government is not here to provide these things to you. Adulthood. That's what adults are supposed to do is provide for themselves and their families. And society and charity, when their cup runneth over, has a faith obligation not a legal obligation to those less fortunate. But faith is what we do voluntarily. Wines at 695 Patriot 9572874. We are right, they are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125.